Welcome to the Data Bites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. So I'm happy to welcome to the podcast, Savita. Thanks so much for joining us today for this conversation. Thank you, Sadie. Happy to be here. Yes, would love to know a little bit more about your story. How did you get to where you are today? What were some of the lessons you've learned along the way? Sure. Um, if anybody has checked out my LinkedIn profile, there is a, a beautiful article that one of my friends um, wrote um, following an interview. Um, I'm actually quite the accidental data scientist that you would uh, you may say. Uh, because I have a background, I, I, I did most of my education in India until master's, and I have a background in most of what people would think as soft sciences. Uh, I'm a sociology major, uh, so I'm very much interested in like human behavior, and I also studied, um, minored in psychology and public administration while in college. So definitely come from a very, very um, sociological, psychological, humanities kind of background. Um, and if you had told me at that time that I would be a data scientist or an analytics person today, I would have laughed at you. Uh, so uh, quite, this, was, uh, this is a story of uh, not quite planning to be where I am, um, uh, essentially not in this field, but there is always that drive to excel in something that, that's always kept me going. So um, as I mentioned before, I did most of my schooling in undergrad and my first master's in India. Um, and then when I moved to the United States, I came to Georgia State University. Um, naturally, for people in humanities at that time, at least within my sphere of friends, we were aiming into business schools. We were aiming to getting, get into business schools. And I had a naturally inclined uh, research-oriented mind. So instead of going the traditional MBA route, um, I applied for a couple of uh, PhD programs and got into Georgia State. Um, so once I was there, um, really, um, I was kind of kicked out of my comfort zone, to be frank with you, because um, the decision science department that I came into, that was my major, um, that was like a hub of all things quantitative and qualitative concern for the whole business school. So the decision science department faculty offered a lot of the core courses and research methods, both qualitative and quantitative that everybody in the business school, like all PhD students in the business school had to go through. So it was a blessing as well as a terrifying moment for me because uh, I don't have that much of a um, mathematical uh, background. So what happened was we buckled down during the summer before starting uh, the PhD program in fall, wrapped myself up, uh, learned calculus and did all of the groundwork and uh, came to a level where I could basically understand what was going on in class and, you know, not not embarrass myself <laughs> during the exams. So. So that was that. Uh, but once I got into it and then the research part uh, after the coursework was done, the research part was what was interesting. Um, I picked knowledge management as my area of research. And, um, uh, you know, it, it's a 
it has a it has ties to innovation, which is again an area of interest for me, uh, and it just excites me about all the um, the art of the possible and the potential that exists that's waiting to be tapped. So uh, tapping into that passion, I kind of leaned into this knowledge management area, and uh, my dissertation was actually on examining behaviors, going back to my roots of sociology, examining uh, behaviors of companies when they enter into partnerships or collaborations to create new knowledge. Uh, you can think about it as um, when two companies collaborate to create a new product or, uh, you know, drug de development, when you have a consortium of companies that come together to uh, develop new drugs uh, or in manufacturing um, industry, this is very common. So part of my um, thesis was actually understanding the underlying game uh, theoretical concepts and how companies interact with each other and share not only the resources that they put in, but also the profits on the other side. So we analyzed a couple of scenarios and that became my dissertation. Um, so that was a part of um, the, the educational journey, but uh, alongside I had been consulting um, on statistics with companies. Like I, I work for Georgia State of uh, Departments of Audits and Accounts to be a statistician there. Um, and that was kind of my first foray or view into the industry itself, what is now we call as data science. Um, so from there on, um, actually, I liked doing more hands-on work. Um, research still remains my passion, but I don't pursue it full-time. I'm more relegated to reading um, articles that I like. But um, the, from a practitioner point of view, I, I've, I learned about myself that I really like getting my hands dirty with data, pulling out insights, writing a good piece of code, um, productionalizing your code. That is something that I like. But it's um, as opposed to a software engineering or some other kind of code development, analytics has that extra element of storytelling to it. Okay, so what are these numbers there and how do we manipulate them and how do we pull out insights out of them to create a story? So I think that is what kind of um, attracted me the most uh, in this journey. And um, ever since I have, um, I have dabbled into a couple of industries, if you will, meaning, uh, uh, as I said, I started off for Georgia State of um, State Department of Audits and Accounts, uh, where I was um, running predictive models to predict fraud in Medicaid and Medicaid claims. So starting with that as um, fraud analytics, I went into some other consulting where um, you know, we did economic program evaluations. Um, and then I worked for Atlanta Housing Authority for some time evaluating their programs, like the social uh, benefit programs. So after dabbling into that, I think I found my place in marketing analytics. Um, so uh, my first foray into marketing analytics was uh, with Sprint, um, where I started to learn how to do um, predictive modeling in a proper fashion. I mean, I had great mentors there who walked me through the process of building models in real uh, in the real world as opposed to textbook examples. So that's where I actually learned how to do modeling. I learned how to do segmentation and a lot of um, cool techniques that uh, we can talk about a little later. Yeah, I, I now realize why I, 
so for the listeners listening in, prior to the episode, we were talking about some of our favorite algorithms and um, Savitha and I both had similar favorites and algorithms. And I think a lot of it comes down to our soft sciences background um, in terms of making that transition and caring about people. And I love that you shared your story of how you still keep that care for people, but also learn some of those hard sciences skills. And then that's allowed you to really find your place now in marketing analytics. And I want to go into marketing analytics a little bit further because there's so much opportunity in this space for individuals in terms of the job opportunity, but also what you can create. So for those new to marketing analytics, can you just give us kind of a high level overview in terms of the types of business applications that there are and what are some of the analytics techniques or algorithms used to match these business applications and marketing analytics? Absolutely. Um, so at a high level, um, marketing analytics is any kind of data processing, any kind of data analysis that we do to inform or evaluate marketing campaigns. So the way I think about it is you have your marketing campaign at the center and before the campaign, there are a lot of analyses you can do to inform who you should target, how should you target, when should you target them, um, what are they responsive to, do they respond Do they respond to coupons or uh, they are more brand-oriented audiences, you know, who don't mind paying a premium price for a branded product. Um, and uh, what channels do they respond to, What um, meaning traditional channels like email or uh, the media channels like TV or uh, display ads or Facebook, Instagram, what are the channels that they respond with? So there's an aspect of informing the campaign that happens on the front end of um, of marketing cycle, if you will. And then on the other side, after the campaign ends um, or during the campaign, the other side of it is measurement aspect. So you have your strategy information aspect and the measurement aspect where you continuously keep track of your KPIs. Make sure you're, um, you're hitting your goals and respond uh, in relation to um, whether you're spending the amount that you targeted to spend, right? Uh, and also, are you getting the results that you're looking for, both in a short term as well as a longer term, uh, on a longer term basis as well. So... This is basically a uh, the chain or a cycle of marketing where data is infused at different stages. Um, apart from that, uh, marketing is one thing, but for any business, you need to know your customers, right? Know your know your customer profile. Um, what is their spending capacity? What is their demographic makeup? What is their behavioral profile? What interests do they um, index heavily on? All of this is kind of your um, knowing the lay of the land kind of uh, analysis that we can do to just know your audience, know your customers. And on top of that, when you layer in your goals, you can see who of these customers will get you closer to the goals that you have in terms of revenue generation or whatever other goals you may have. So knowing your customers knowing what your ideal customer base should look like in order to hit your goals and how do you get them from here to there is very simply the marketing analytics business that happens today. It's a great outline. I love how you start with the strategy and then, you know, make sure that once you have your strategy in place, measure those KPIs, see how you're tracking and where you can make changes. 
But then really, I've never heard of it said from a customer standpoint, you know, understanding who will get, which customers will get you closer to your goals, right? We hear a lot about, you know, the customer is the most important and we need to listen to our customers, but you frame it in a way of almost collaboration, right? Like how do we serve our customers, but also meet our goals and collaborate together. And in that regard, you know, we've talked a little bit about segmentation. How does segmentation come into play with all of this in terms of the strategy, the customers and measuring those KPIs? Sure. Um, segmentation at a high level, I mean, not to be confused with the operational um, segmentation that most of the campaigning tools let you do. They just target uh, females from age 35 to 45, let's say. That is one type of segmentation. But when you go into more multivariate kind of segmentation that need, uh, that needs um, data science kind of skills or analytic skills, uh, usually it's more multivariate. You don't stop at one or two attributes but you look at a complete picture of all the data points that you have available for your customers and essentially put them into groups, either lifestyle-based groups or behavior-based groups, whatever that underlying theme may be. Essentially, in segmentation, what you do is you identify customers who are similar to each other but are distinct from other groups so that um, you can inform differential strategies for them. For instance, just lifestyle-based segmentation. Um, uh, I don't want to get into too much of gender um, biases here or stereotypes here, but let's say there is a lifestyle segmentation of a, a mom with two kids who's in her uh, mid-30s or mid-30s uh, mid to mid-40s may have different needs from you as a brand as opposed to a retiree who's um, probably shopping for their grandkids or who's probably shopping for um, uh, shopping around for a uh, grandkid who just graduated or for her daughter. So all of these things are um, knowing about the customer and being about being able to put them in these buckets, so to speak, will allow you to tailor your strategies to get the maximum value from your brand to your customer, as well as from the customer to your brand. You get engagement. If they like your brand, you get engagement uh, from them. A word of mouth is always good for, for, for any brand awareness. So you get that. You get, um, you, and that will definitely translate into increased revenue. So segmentation can be that first line of defense where you know your customers, you know how to bucket them, and kind of customize your strategies according to what each segment needs might be. And for those who are data scientists out there and maybe have business partners who work in marketing, what recommendations do you have for them to be better partners to their marketing counterparts, right? So they're coming in with statistics and algorithms and the tools yep. and the knowledge, but it really sounds like there's this pairing that has to happen, right? And understanding the campaigns and knowing the customer. Yep. So what recommendations do you have for those data scientists who serve marketing business partners? Absolutely. And this is something that I learned uh, the hard way too. Uh, coming from, uh, you know, we have our toolkit. We're very enthusiastic to use it. Um, you know, and the shy, shiniest tool is the first one we want to use, obviously. But um, uh, one thing that I have learned uh, is to start with the end in mind. 
what is the business objective we're trying to answer here? Think about it like a problem statement and then you're building up a solution to answer the question at hand. So start with the business objective and then as you start doing that, you break down and have, ask more questions about who is our target audience? Who do we want to target? And, uh, and the reason why all of these questions are important is because they will factor into how you build out your analysis, what kind of initial starting universe you will define um, is dependent upon all of these questions and what channels are we uh, going to be targeting them with. For instance, if you're building a propensity model and Sadie, you and I talked about logistic regression, that's another uh, bread and butter kind of uh, analytical technique that is very underrated, but it's it's everywhere. So um, for instance, if you're building a predictive model to say who is more likely to buy a certain product, um, who is likely to respond via a certain channel, you would need to know all of this information beforehand as to what the marketing goals are, what channels they tr they're trying to use. Uh, so you can tailor your analysis and pick your starting universe from those people who have shown some propensities to use a particular channel or have affinities to products that are similar to what you're trying to sell. So all of these things, uh, ask a lot of questions, start with the goal in mind, ask the business question and build a suite of analytical tools that will help you answer the question. So typically it's not like one technique, it's a blend of couple of techniques or overlays of couple of techniques that you will need to use to ultimately answer the question. And you have a big passion for team building, and I'm sure, you know, being a senior VP of analytics, this is very essential and a core part of your job. What are some of the principles you've learned through leadership that are essential when building effective teams? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, the skill set, the complementarity of the skill set needs to be there. Um, Redundancy to some extent is good uh, in case someone is sick. Someone should, someone else should be able to pick up and uh, you know take up, take that work. Uh, redundancy to some extent is um, essential, but um, diversity of skill set that is in line with what you're trying to achieve, the goals of the organization and the goals of your department. Um, within those goals, I think uh, uh, diversity of skill set, diversity of backgrounds, uh, that's something I look for and try to encourage as well. Coming coming from um, a humanities background, it's uh, uh, I often work with engineers. I'm, I'm often the only person with a humanities background working with engineers. So, um, I always took pride uh, in my diversity of thought, the, the diverse opinions that I brought to the table. Um, I will tell you an example of where this became very, very apparent. Um, so when I was working from Atlanta Housing Authority, uh, I was working for that. It's a um, public housing uh, organization that they place people who are not able to afford their own homes or rent. They provide assistance for them. So normally as an analyst, you would say, okay, these are all the people that are, um, you know, uh, about to default on their rent payments or whatnot. So there is an eviction path for them. So where the humanities comes into play is, okay, these are not widgets. These are not machines. These are people. So when you actually uh, put them on an eviction list, what is the 
support you're giving them. I mean, you don't want to kick people out to the curb. What is the support you're giving them? Is there a caseworker assigned to help them make some temporary arrangement, living arrangements? So these are all the kinds of things that come to come to the forefront, um, not only with the humanities background, but also a little bit of um, uh, caring nature, I guess. Um, that's also one of the things that... Um, pops up in my persona from time to time. Okay, what about them? What about these poor souls? You can't just kick them out of the curb. What are we doing to um, ease their transition or help them get back on track? Either you give assistance or find some other way for, for them to get assistance, right? So these are all the things that um, make you a more well-rounded um, uh, analyst, if you will, and a well-rounded decision maker in general are you considering all of the aspects of your of a decision making process before you make a decision so um diversity of thought and diversity of background plays in very heavily here even for marketing is the messaging the right right way uh for the audience right is the timing right for the audience you know all of these things come from the diversity of thought we all know about the uh, debacle of uh, Target implementing a prediction uh, model that, um, you know, outed a teen pregnancy. We all know that, uh, you know, if I if we were to learn from that experience, we would um, consider not just what the model is telling you or who is likely to be pregnant, but what are the conditions under which, um, you know, a person may or may not want to use your coupons, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or... Should you anonymize and make it a little more subtle, make the messaging or couponing more subtle rather than saying, hey, we know someone in your household is pregnant, so here are baby coupons, instead of, you know, um, adopting a more in-your-face approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm so happy you mentioned this, especially in the context of marketing. I mean, we all know that diversity is important for effective teams, but feel even more so, and that's a perfect example with the target case and the flyers um, of just, hey, our customers represent the population and we yes. need people who represent the population in terms of our teams and yes. how important diversity is not only from a gender or racial side, but as you mentioned, the skill set and the background. And I think that's where mm -hmm. things really start to get interesting. So appreciate yeah. you sharing that with us. Yeah, so diversity of skill sets and complementary skill set, obviously, and uh, diversity of um, backgrounds definitely adds to the narrative, um, and it makes work life much more interesting, to be honest with you. Uh, so those are a couple of things that I look for as I try to build teams. Um, um, I encourage my teams to actively disagree with me, but uh, come with a why. <laughs> so, <laughs> disagreeing just for the sake of disagreement doesn't get us anywhere, but uh, anything that contributes to a healthy debate, uh, uh, um, for instance, debating one technique versus the other uh, or thinking through those consequences or outcomes of uh, using a technique, uh, the risk versus benefits of using a technique versus the other. All those kinds of discussions are definitely welcome. Um, and uh, from softer skills point of view, uh, I try to put some ground rules when I'm uh, in my teams, um, you know, mutual respect, care and empathy for each other. Um, you know, there are there will be friction or uh, you know disagreements uh, as long as we can all acknowledge that uh, we're all adults and uh, you know 
resolve them that way. I think it's, it's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, marketing analytics is one of my favorite areas. And I think you gave us some really great frameworks to start thinking about it and um, some great tips in terms of how to build teams. If people want to stay connected with you, learn more about what you're doing, maybe look and see when you're hiring for your team. What's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Um, uh, I think the link will be in the podcast material, the the material. And I'm also active on Twitter. So uh, I'm at S. Nemaduri on Twitter. So uh, please feel free to reach out there. And I'm also active on uh, with Slack channel. I post um, uh, job openings or things there. And I'm on Measure Slack as well, if you, if anyone of you is, is there. That's more focused on digital analytics, but, um, you know, it's all marketing. Digital is the way to go uh, yes. right now. So, um, yeah, feel free to ping me and uh, on any of these channels, and I'm happy to respond and um, help in any way I can. Well, thank you so much, Savita. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us, being such an active WIN member and mentoring and supporting so many people. We're lucky to have you in our community. And I hope all of you enjoyed this conversation. And I encourage you to stay curious and keep learning. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Sadie. Bye. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.